Hello everybody and welcome to Spill the Watts podcast. This is the first podcast of this kind of format where we're doing something slightly new and exciting. We're inviting guest speakers onto the podcast, each with their own stories to tell. Today we are inviting Kat Ferguson on the podcast. She is the top ranked junior female athlete in the world at the minute. And it is my pleasure to speak to her today. The formatting of this podcast is to answer questions that you wouldn't typically find on Google. You wouldn't typically find in a normal kind of conversation at a race meeting. It's the kind of in-depth experiences about background and about um, upbringing and about what she does when she's off the bike which actually is more interesting and appeals a lot more to most people. I'm hoping you enjoy the podcast. This was a fantastic conversation and it was my pleasure to speak to Kat. We got a a lot from her. She was a very easy to talk to girl and considering she's only 17 years old, she's got a very wise head on her shoulders. After this podcast, I also have many other guest speakers lined up for the coming weeks so make sure to stay tuned let's get into it and you know uh, your legs are, are burning and you don't want to turn around anymore and you know if somebody now attacks you're going to be like blown out of the water but you just go no i just keep going just keep going Welcome to the podcast. Kat, you are 17 years old. I'm going to like reel off some stats to start off. <laughs> um, and do correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you were born in April 2006, uh, which feels pretty mad to say it to me because I still feel <laughs> like I still feel like I'm a young rider, but the reality is you are about half my age. So that's (laughs) fine. And you race road on the track and cross. What would you say is your preferred discipline? Um, I don't know. It's definitely not track. Um, But yeah, it's quite close between road and and cross. Mm -hmm. Um, Normally it's like whatever season I'm in. I prefer so right now I probably prefer road, but if you ask me in cross season, I probably prefer cross. So, and without stating the obvious, I guess. So you've said it's definitely not track. Is that because you're just riding around in circles and it's pretty boring? Or yeah, it is quite boring. I just don't really enjoy the sort of the racing aspect of track. I just find it quite quite dull. Like Mm -hmm. going up, coming back down warming up again and like just repeating that and just I don't really like I'd rather be outside as well it's very regimented isn't it I guess yeah uh, Mm -hmm. a bit more predictable maybe um but yeah I mean as well the indoor the indoor thing I mean ultimately cyclists are often cyclists because they like being outdoors and they enjoy exploring um and having fresh air and so on and if you're indoors doing track, you don't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a Cat 1 first-year junior, and you race internationally with Shibden Hope Apex, which, if I'm right, that's kind of a newly collaborated team this year, is it? Yeah, 
Um, so Shibden Hope Tech Apex kind of formed between kind of Hope Technology, um, who I actually ride for Cyclocross, and Shibden Cycling Club. And then Apex is the kind of the main sponsor. They provide all our kit for us. Um, oh, nice. And yeah, it's just a junior team um, started this year. And yeah, we're racing. We've got entries into all the Nations Cup and, and, and things like that. So it's, it's been really good. Nice. Now, when I was doing a bit of research, I actually stumbled across a bit of a statistic. And tell me if I'm wrong, but are you the number one ranked junior female in the world right now? I am, yeah, which is wow. a bit crazy to say. But you kind of have to take the rankings with a pinch of salt because they're sort of just kind of who's got the most points and dependent on who's done the most races. But yeah, it is it is quite cool. That's very cool. Yeah, don't take anything away from that. That's mega. Um, and uh, yeah, so so major, major achievements there. So in uh, preparation for the podcast, I asked you what your top three biggest cycling achievements were. Um, and you said European Youth Olympics, TT and Road Race. The Binder Nationals Cup win and the Tour of Flanders Nationals Cup win, but if I'm right, they're all um, results from 2022, like you know this year or last year. Um, so obviously some major, major good results there. Um, but I'm I'm assuming there's others, other results like off, off the top of your head prior to that that you're majorly, um, majorly proud of as well. Yeah, yeah. So those are kind of more like the the bigger ones um, mm. because I've only just in the past like two years started racing internationally. So I'd say they're like the biggest in that sense. Mm -hmm. But definitely the ones that I'm like most proud of are kind of the ones in my first year under 16 season, um, which is when I sort of really stepped up to racing like nationally. And I won the road, national road champs. And say so that was definitely one of our proudest achievements. The how have you found the step to doing kind of international races? Then how has that transition been generally? Yeah, I really enjoyed it because sort of with that, obviously, I've changed categories. So I'm now in the junior category, mm. and the racing's a lot harder. It's a lot longer, and um, so the training's obviously different. Um, a lot more kind of endurance, kind of miles which mm -hmm. I definitely prefer. I really enjoy training. So to, when I get to do more of it, it's, it's definitely a positive for me. Yeah, no, definitely. And for those who are maybe a little bit more um, knowledgeable about the UK scene then, um, prior to that, um, you in 2021-22 um, season, you won every single round of the trophy series. Um if I'm right, and and came away, away with obviously the series win um, for cyclocross. Um, do you do you typically race like winter and summer every year then? And and how long have you been doing that for? Yeah, that was a really good, really good season. Um, so no, I've started racing cross and road. I think since about 2019. Right. Um, yeah, and I really enjoy it. For me, I'm quite competitive, so any any time where I'm, I'm racing is where I'm at my best. So I don't think I could go like one kind of season without racing. So I kind of need it there to keep me, keep me going. Yeah. 
I think certain people need the mental break as much as the physical break. Um, you know, if they've done a road season, they need the winter off, off from racing, just have the, the, the kind of the relaxation and the mental break from it all, as opposed to the physical one. And some people just don't need that. Some people just thrive off the competition and just need it to keep them motivated. Mm. Um, it's obvious that you're, you are one of them. So, um, now many listening to this podcast will have heard of your name before and many will know who you are on the bike some may have seen you perform firsthand at races um and it's very evident from your results that you are you know a very talented rider um you can win races and you're going really far with this however if anyone wanted to find out more about your kind of cycling prowess or your results they could easily google it now what i'm going to try and do from this conversation today is kind of try and find a bit more more than what google could tell us you know more than more about you less of the cycling chat less of the mm -hmm. kind of normal results and racing stuff um and it's um we're going to kind of look through the lens of who cat ferguson really is and it's an opportunity to see more than what people see one when they're at the races because um over the years racing myself and coaching riders and watching others race i'm hoping you can agree with me i feel like as a bike racer when you're at events you almost have like a certain shield up and you can sometimes be a bit guarded and you you sometimes have a slightly different personality at races than you do normally. Sometimes, not all the time. Um, and I'm not suggesting that that you know that 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 is you, but um, I think subconsciously we are all like that to some extent, and we mm -hmm. are all a little bit kind of you know that typical race face that we've got on, where you know you don't let like to let people in, if you know what I mean. Um, but I feel like a lot of people are interested in who who we are, where we came from, what got us into it and, and things like that. So, so just to start off then with some like kind of lifestyle questions, I guess. So I know we just talked a minute off air then, but where are you now? You're still in Spain, aren't you? Um, how do you pronounce the race name that you just did? Do you know how to say it? It's quite bad because I'm not entirely sure myself. But I think it's called... Bizcaco Laureag. I think that's how you say it. Wow. Oh, fair. That's not how I was going to try, but that sounds <laughs> better than what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't attempt it. Um, so you're still in Spain. You did a two-day stage race um, and you won the first stage in a sprint and then you got second in the second stage, if that is, was that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you'll be going home tomorrow, you said, didn't you? So where do you call home? Where are you from? Um, so I'm from, I'm near a little, a little town in North Yorkshire called Skipton. Um, it's kind of right on the edge of like the Yorkshire Dales. So yeah, it's really, really good for riding. Mm, yeah. I've got a few of my friends and, and uh, clients from Skipton area and you, you've got some fantastic riding both on and off road. Mm -hmm. um, do, do you, would you say that um, going off on tangent then, when you first started cycling was it more off-road riding or did you start on the road more 
Um, so when I started, my dad was quite into mountain bike. So he used to kind of take me on a little tag along um, to like trail centers. And nice. yeah, I'd, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I'd just been dragged around, like getting absolutely sprayed with mud. Um, but then I kind of changed and joined a little club um, on the road and, and did a lot more road. And that's kind of where I started to enjoy that. Mm. So, yeah, what I like is that we're seeing with modern riders now, there's a, a lot of this kind of um, mix of different disciplines. And you often find, I mean, you know, I'm sure you can, you'll agree that a lot of your cross skills and bike handling will definitely help you on the road and vice versa. Um, mm -hmm. and, and obviously the track background as well will help you on the road a lot. Um, we'll come back into that. Before the podcast, I sent you an email and I asked, um, I asked if you or your friends may be able to describe your personality. Now, you specifically said that I, I gather you couldn't probably do it yourself and you, you said that your friends did it for you. And they described you as competitive, grounded, and bubbly. Um, now, giving that some thought, I guess, how would you follow on from that? Is there anything more you would say about your personality and kind of if it's changed over the years or if you've always been pretty similar? What I really like to hear is that, I mean, the competitive one is pretty obvious, but I like to hear that you're pretty grounded because um, grounded people are are seen as sensible and reasonable people, and they 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 understand the importance of ordinary things in life, such as family and old friends. Um, would you say that's a bit of you? Yeah, I mean, when I asked them the question, I was quite I was quite surprised that they sort of said grounded. I wouldn't have said that was that was me. Um, right. But I asked a couple of them and they all kind of said, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think given that some thought, I, I would say I am. Um, I like working kind of like as a team, um, especially with them. So I would say that does represent me. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, obviously competitive, that kind of does come with mm. being a, a, an athlete. Um, but I definitely say that sort of has changed over the years. I used to be very like very kind of stern at races going back to the point you said before about kind of having two different personalities I used to be very very nervous and and quite kind of not unfriendly but I wouldn't go and make friends at races I was just very very driven all about the race but now um, I view races more of just like a social aspect I don't get as nervous anymore I'm so competitive but it's it's more in like a in a fun way mm -hmm. it's now, don't take this the wrong way. When I've seen certain podium photos of you, of like, you've got a very, what's the word to explain it? You don't look incredibly kind of overjoyed. Yeah, yeah, I do get that a lot. Well. Yeah. yeah, you don't, people... like, you see, per see certain people on the podium and they've got a massive smile on their face and they look mm -hmm. almost like the, you know, they're back to being a little kid. And you yeah. almost, you just look so, you don't even look like you raced for one. You don't even look like you put any effort in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
and you've got a smile on your face. Don't get don't get me wrong, but you don't look like absolutely. Do you think that's the kind of competitive race face still still there? No, I, I don't really. A lot of people tell me this, and one of my friends are kind of looking at me when I'm on the podium. They're always like, "Smile, smile," <laughs> and I, I feel like I am, but my smile obviously doesn't really portray what I'm actually feeling. But I am always very happy whenever, yeah, I'm on on the podium. I know what you mean. I know what you mean by yeah. that. Like, I feel like sometimes when I'm smiling, um, I feel like I'm lifting my cheeks, but actually, when I yeah. get someone get a picture of me, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. um, no, that's cool. And bubbly, uh, would you say that you try and um, obviously the balance to be had, but would you say that when you're away on, you know, traveling away for international races and so on, you try and keep that kind of fun atmosphere and keep it, keep it enjoyable in that regard? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the people that I asked, uh, I'm on the GB Junior Academy, so I spend a lot of time with them. Um, racing internationally and also training um, a lot on track so I definitely like to keep it as, as fun as possible and um, we you know we spend so much time that is quite difficult to always kind of be happy and, and positive but they've often said that I sort of kind of like lift the mood of, of the group when it does kind of dip good life outside of cycling um what's going on like explain what have you got in terms of studying like family stuff I mean well first of all studying so I've lost track of where you're at in terms of years at school and so on but <laughs> what's going on there yeah so I'm in year 12 oh. um so I mean I just finished year 12 so I'm going into year 13 next oh. um I'm currently at six form, so I'm doing two a levels and one b tech um, so I'm doing psychology and business and sports science, which is the big tech. Nice. Mm -hmm. So how do you find that balance then with, obviously you're at a level now where there's a massive commitment, um, not only with the races, but the training behind it. You know, you're at that level where your whole life is essentially, you know, taken over by training and cycling and resting and recovering mm -hmm. and eating correctly so how do you find that balance alongside your studies do you find it difficult sometimes and and how do you cope with that so so far I've not found it too hard I mean last year in year 11 I'd say it was probably harder than year 12 just because obviously I had to sit exams um but this year it's kind of been a bit easier I've, I've been able to do a lot more just online learning I definitely think kind of the COVID period has helped a lot of schools like develop better online systems so now it is quite easy to kind of just email my teachers and visit like a, a fast and easy way for them to just send me work when I'm not there mm. um but yeah I'd say it probably is a little bit harder for me as well just because I'm always racing like in the winter I'm doing cross and in the summer I'm doing road and track so there's never really a period where I'm not um but I enjoy it. Otherwise, yeah, I don't think I'll carry it on. I mean, do you feel like sometimes, because um, let's be honest, you know, you're at a level that uh, there's potential for you to not need to do any work, work, if you pursue this, the kind of rate that you're going. Um, and you could potentially, you know, be in a, in a, in a cycling-related career um but 
do you find often that, you know, I mean, for example, if you're having to study for exams or you're having to do some coursework and you've got a race that evening or, you know, you're in a big training block, do you find that there's times when it's hard to find the motivation and the concentration to finish that work when you've got other things going on in your mind? Yeah, I think definitely when you're having to like perform like mentally and physically all the time, it is very draining. Um, but I also kind of like it because it does sort of take your mind off off both things. Like you can stop thinking about cycling for once and start thinking about something else. So it just sort of give you a little bit of rest. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, a few people we're going to come on to the questions at the end that um, the listeners have been asking, but a, a few people were asking about that balance between you know study and and, and cycling. And I think a lot of people. A lot of people in, are potentially in that position where they do struggle, um, and it's good to hear people's insights. So you, you're taking psychology; that'll be an interesting one. Do you find um, do you find areas of sports psychology quite interesting, and and are you kind of using certain aspects of that into helping yourself as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I've definitely struggled quite a lot with kind of the mental aspect of sport. So kind of moving into sixth form, I, I wanted to do psychology just because I do find it quite interesting. Um, and so far, I wouldn't say anything sort of applied to sport that I have studied, but I can definitely see some some similarities. Mm. Mm. So um, what do you do with your free time when you're not riding your bike? Um, I think cyclists can be very very kind of insular and at times and, and, and not want to do anything much more than just cycling. Um, and, and, you know, when they're not cycling, they're just thinking about resting up for the next training session and so on. Um, but that isn't, you know, that's not good for anybody and, mm -hmm. and I don't advocate that. Um, so, you know, people to often tend to kind of shut down social ties and so on. Uh, which isn't good, obviously. So do you have a group of friends which isn't cyclists, aren't cyclists still, um, I guess, with your your peers at school um, in sixth form and so on? And and what do you get up to when you're not riding your bike? Yes, yeah, so I'd hate to say that I'm one of those sort of cyclists, but I obviously with, with the amount of commitment it takes, I don't actually have that much time. Um, but I would never shut down a social kind of occasion I'm very social so I'd take any opportunity that I can get to kind of get away from the bike um but yeah in my free time I like to do like sort of baking and cooking mm -hmm. um it just sort of linked back to cycling because I do like to make like like riding snacks and things mm -hmm. um but yeah I do really enjoy doing that and when I can yeah I definitely go out and, and meet my friends go on then watch your watch your signature dish um, I'd probably say I like to make some like the Oreo rice cakes. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I found the recipe on like Team Sky after mm. I'd been to um, Crosswells actually, and one of the like Swannies made them, and they were so nice. <laughs> yeah, good shout. The um, yeah, I mean, it, obviously that goes hand in hand as well. It, I think uh, as a cyclist, yeah, you, you kind of learn that 
body needs fuel and then you kind of learn how expensive certain bars and gels can be and whatnot and then you can make a really healthy really nutritious alternative which is arguably tastier at home sometimes and uh, if you can make that yourself mm -hmm. it's always good yeah um am i right you do um any other sports aside from cycling like on the on the side or anything no i don't um obviously in cross season i do a bit of running but i don't mm -hmm. really enjoy that um i used to do um some sports when i was young i used to do um competitive skiing so mm -hmm. i'd like go to um, a dry ski slope and train there about three or four times a week um, and it got pretty serious but sort of used cycling as a training for that and I just preferred cycling so that's when I sort of switched. Nice. So um, when we kind of rewind the pages of your life maybe 10 years or so um, how would you quite a difficult question sometimes but how would you say you describe your childhood um well when I was a child I, I was definitely quite shy um and I think sort of doing sport has definitely changed that I wouldn't say I'm um anywhere near shy anymore and I can be quite grateful really for that um because not only can I apply it to cycling, but any other aspect in life, I've definitely learned a lot. Mm -hmm. Why would you say you were so shy before? Was there anything that any influencing factors or did it just kind of naturally, is that just how you were as a young youngster? Yeah, it's just sort of how I was. I just like tended to shy away. I had friends and things, but like mm. I was just quite, quite shy around like maybe adults or teachers or things like that. How did you get into cycling initially? Um, so my parents are very, very keen on the outdoors. They kind of do. My dad owns an outdoor education center, um, but he he does a lot of mountain biking. So they just kind of, I wouldn't say they forced me, but I went out for a lot of a lot of different sports with them. Um, kind of attached to cycling when I made some kind of friends my age. Mm -hmm. So going back to the different disciplines, um, what was your first bike then? And where did, w would you say that like in terms of competitiveness, w what was the first discipline that you would call yourself competitive in and started racing in? So I can't remember my first bike, but I remember the first bike that I was excited for. And that was um, a little red Isla road bike. Mm -hmm. And I remember to get it, I had to do like, I think it was like a hundred miles collectively or something like that. And I had to write mm -hmm. a book. I don't really know why. Um, yeah, that was, and then I, I got my road bike um, for doing that. And I loved that bike. And then I sort of slowly obviously got older and bigger and kind of started riding a lot of Trek bikes, um, which I still ride now. Um, and I'd say definitely the discipline that I was racing kind of first was, was road. Mm -hmm. And how did the cross come into it then? Um, so I think it was, I started cross about two years after I started doing that nationals when I was about 15, 14, I think. Um, my friend, my close friend at the time, had just like started doing cross and I wanted to try it. So I gave it a go 
and like went all in in that cross season got like two bikes and started doing all the nationals and things and i really enjoyed it so and was it a a good introduction can you were you straight away naturally talented at it or did it take a bit of time would you say no i'd say it definitely took some time um i think i won two nationals that year which is my first cross season but it took about i think i did three national series before that before i kind of learned what to do mm. and what not to do um, but yeah, that cross season was very up and down, but it, it was a lot of fun. And how would you say you are as a cross rider now specifically kind of, you know, would you say that um, technically you are one of the better riders um, or would you say that maybe not so much on the technical aspects, but your fitness kind of sides through or a bit of both or any comments on that? I would say, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, like the best technically but I'm not bad in any sense so like I'm very grateful for Hope because I have attended like their kind of training because their um, headquarters is very near where I live so mm. I've kind of gone there every Wednesday night for the past two years in the cross season and I work with Seth Smith who used to coach Tom Pidcock mm. and he's just amazing like the things he can teach you more about kind of how to choose your lines not kind of like skills like bunny hopping and things like that it's like how to shoot which I think is the most important if you can look at a corner and say, think I'm going to go from the the left to the right on the grassy edge mm-hmm. I think that's definitely the most important and that's what they've taught me which I'd say I am quite good at compared to others um, and that's kind of where I've, I've learned most of my skills obviously I don't really do mountain bikes so compared to mountain bikers it is quite difficult to kind of keep your skills up when you're not doing cross so in road season it is quite hard um but i say the skills that they've taught me completely um it's a completely different skill set ultimately i it's one of those things that um when i used to race because you're very right like normally as a kind of collective i guess a lot of cross racers do some mountain bike cross country in the summer don't they um Mm -hmm. And like the assumption is that because they do a lot of mountain bike cross country, that they'll be technically great on a cross bike as well. And yeah, mm-hmm. that, that obviously there's a lot of crossover there, but when I used to race mountain bike cross country and cross, like that it's such a different skill set. You, you can't yeah. say that you can handle a mountain bike with flat bars mint and just mm-hmm. like transfer that onto a, a drop handle barred cross bike. That's got no suspension and so on. It's got, it's, and it's so different. And uh, so I think, yeah, I mean, it's definitely handy to keep a bit of the the, the cross skills up over summer, of course. Um, but I don't think you're necessarily on the back foot from from not riding a mountain bike over over summer that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, the work the work that you've done with Seth. Um, I, I you talk of Seth. I, I've I've had first hand experience of Seth. I've been away when they used to do the Rafa Supercross, we took a team for Yorkshire there and I've um, been kind of managed by him before and he's such a character. And mm-hmm. but like you say, really eye-opening with regards to... Um, yeah. With regards to like things like you say, line choices and so on. Um, and how that can make such an impact. I mean, that you know, if you think of like time trial at one end of the spectrum, you know, get A to B as fast as possible, you know, pedal hard and get aero. That's the two factors. Whereas 
with cyclocross, you know, you could be the strongest guy by, by a or strongest girl by a mile. But if you've not got the ability to, you know, put that into practice and, and find the right lines and, and the technicalities of it, you, you're going to be nowhere. Mm. Um, so I think that's part of the enjoyment of cross as well, isn't it? I would, I would say. Yeah. Um, so first memories of riding a bike, is there any specific memories that like stand out like a sore thumb, which was just like really enjoyable? I, I think so. And before, like, while you have time to think about this, um, I was asking myself this the other day and I've got memories of, um, it's what I used to call green racing, um, where outside my house, when I was like 10 years old, it was like a little, um, mini patch of park and there was about 10 trees in, in this park and me and my friends, there's only three of us. We used to basically just create a bit of a course around the trees so it's like a mini cross course i guess and uh and we used to just do like four lap sprints and absolutely smash ourselves to bits around <laughs> these trees um every single night after school we'd be there doing doing these like scratch races round cross courses <laughs> and uh it was such good fun and i think that's where where my cycling kind of probably started and realized how much i enjoyed it but do you have any kind of initial initial memories which really stick stick in your memories yeah so I, I think when I was about maybe nine or ten I joined a little um cycling club called Cycle Sport Pendle and made loads of friends there and we used to sort of go on like um like cycling weekends together so we went to the lakes a couple of times and um, I think we did a we did a coast to coast once and definitely just being around them and just having fun going to little cafes and things was was definitely a really good memory and mm-hmm. um, also when I was little I remember the first kind of pass I did and um, which was in Aunt Dewey's we've got a business in Aunt Dewey's so we, we've been there quite a lot and I think when I was about seven I did my first ascent of the of the 21 hairpins and I mean wow. I don't know if it was enjoyable <laughs> it was very traumatizing I think I did cry but yeah after I'd done it I felt very very happy wow not many people of seven years old are going to say they've done that what yeah. do, what's the business over there I'm getting is it like a chalet or something or yeah it's like a, um, a catered ski chalet that we like rent out people okay. in the winter and summer so do you go up there much training wise then um, yeah, I used to go skiing there a lot, um, but summertime it's really good to go and mm. and and train there. But unfortunately now, because I'm racing so much, it's quite difficult to get there. Mm. Um, I did go last year um, to ski, um, but yeah, I was I was told that I wasn't allowed to go very fast in case I crashed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the issue now. You know, you've always got to be careful with things like that, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Um, could wipe out an entire season yeah um now again in the memory bank i guess did you have any particular struggles or times when looking back were really hard or harder than expected was there any kind of barriers to getting where you are today that you really had to get over such as um, I mean, it'll be a separate question, but did you have any massive setbacks with regards to injuries or um, any transitions which were much harder than you expected them to be? 
No, I'd say I've been very, very lucky. Um, I've had no injuries. I broke my arm when I was little, um, but since then I've had wow. no injuries. So touch wood, that carries on for a long time. Mm. Um, but I'd say there's definitely has been setbacks, although it has been quite a smooth journey. Mm. Um, I definitely struggled a lot with sort of pressure and nerves before races. Um, last year, I'd say, was was quite bad. I, used to, I had quite a few kind of instants where my breathing kind of like took control of me. So I put a lot of work in to kind of learn some, I'd say they're called like breathing techniques, sort of like meditation, but just ones you can do when you're, you know, on the start line of a race, um, which sort of calmed me down and definitely did help put me in like a more positive headspace. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd say this year I'm so much better now. Like I, I just enjoy kind of the nerves now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's all sorts of different things that come up like that in there. And it's, it's how you cope with them and how you get around them that, um, ultimately defines you as an athlete and you know if you've figured out some certain techniques which have helped you deal with those that breathing um yeah so you so you'd say that generally now at the minute you don't struggle with too much anxiety before races and you know that that kind of you know that pressure like you used to do a few years ago no i, I don't think i do and i think that that definitely is sort of due to being around people that you can just like relax and also have fun with that's definitely mm. helped um like just just before races just like talking to my friends mm. definitely is is one of the reasons why I'm a lot calmer now for sure yeah I, I couldn't agree more the the amount of times I've like turned up to races on my own and uh and yes you can quite easily kind of have intrusive thoughts and mm get in your own mind and start to psych yourself out and but if you're talking to your friends um about the race and um about all sorts of different things it can really relax you can't it um so yeah i've already asked you had no massive injuries or anything which has been uh, a big positive in your career so far um so training wise then um tell me a little bit about your training so are you coached at the minute yeah so i'm coached by emma trot um she works with all the um junior uh, junior academy girls and yeah i think she's she's brilliant um mm -hmm. training wise and actually like physically coaching you on sessions i was going to ask what a typical training week is for the podcast but um due to <laughs> that i would assume there's no typical week because of well a how frequently you're racing um and b the variety of different stuff that you race in so like it, it wasn't long since you were doing it was only a few weeks ago you were racing track wasn't it and then now you're doing the road stuff the stage races and then you know in a few months time you'll be going into the cross season um but is there any kind of o overarching way of describing your training as a whole like uh you know, I'm very aware there's a mixed bag of listeners on this podcast and some people will no, have no concept at all about anything like what kind of volume somebody like yourself might do and so on. So right now, um, you know, if you're racing on a weekend, for example, what, what are you typically doing training wise midweek? 
yeah so obviously I'm racing a lot across lots of different disciplines so it is very hard and you, and you physically couldn't kind of train and taper for all of them mm. um so when it comes to sort of training for maybe track I wouldn't say that it really is much you sort of just do it maybe stick a couple of short efforts in mm. on your endurance ride or something like that obviously when I got when I'm on training camps with with GB you don't do a lot of track but that's kind of once a month it's not very frequent mm. um but typically I'm probably doing about 12 to 17 hours a week wow. of training um normally there's always a good like two two or three endurance rides um and i'm trying to do gym but it's it's difficult when you're racing so much um because i find it does really fatigue you but obviously if i did it more it wouldn't but it's difficult mm. when you're racing so much mm. what's your this is always a favorite question what's your favorite session to do and your least favorite session to do training wise um, I really enjoy anything sort of like longer, any sort of like tempo with sprints. I really like that, um, even though that's often what people don't like, but I quite like that. Mm. And then probably like my least favourite is, oh, I don't know, probably probably like three-minute efforts or just something quite boring. Yeah, <laughs> fair. So, um Diet and nutrition. Then we talked about it very, very briefly that you, in the, that you bake a lot and so on. Um, but is there any like general ways of how you'd kind of describe your eating habits? What do you like to eat? What is there anything that you try and stick to in terms of kind of your general scope of nutrition and diet, or are you proper relaxed and just eat whatever you fancy at the time? No, I'd say I'm sort of a bit of both. Like I'm, I'm, I'm quite relaxed. I'm not fussy. Like I'll, I'll eat anything pretty much, which I think is really, really good as well. Just gives you like variety. Mm. Um, but when it comes to sort of racing, I'm, I'm a bit more specific. Like I've got certain routines that I'll do. So I'll always have porridge for breakfast. And when I'm racing, I'll try and have, so my race is around two, when I'm doing road races around two to two and a half hours. So mm -hmm. I'll aim to have about 60 grams of carbs an hour mm -hmm. and I get that through sort of like energy mix and um, that I put in my bottles and gels and then sort of a little bit of real real food that I'll have before. Is this stuff that you've learned through British Cycling or do you discuss this with your coach or is this stuff you've kind of learned yourself or a bit of a mixture of everything? Yeah I'd say British Cycling it's probably come from that but Without them, I think I would have learned anyway. Like, you, as a kind of a youth, you are provided with a, a lot of resources to kind of learn about nutrition and things. So it's probably come from like a lot of different sources, I'd say. I think um, one of the current trends which a lot of people are interested in is somebody's morning routine. Um, so, well, first of all, I guess before I ask that, would you describe yourself as a morning person or an evening person? Um, I'd probably say I'm a morning person. Okay. So what's what's a typical get wake up time for you? Um, probably about I mean, 
just like naturally probably about half seven. Okay, a lion then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what's a typical morning routine then? Like, are you so like for me, for example, once that alarm goes off and I do get up, I'm like straight away, I'm wide awake and I'm ready to to get on my day. But some people take a little bit longer. Do you eat straight away? Do you always try and do a walk? Like, is there any kind of routine that you stick to in the morning or do you just go with the flow? Yeah, so when I'm training, which is obviously quite like most days, I mm. normally would get up and try and eat straight away just so then I can like have them a, a lot of time to digest it before mm. I go out and ride, which I normally try and do in the morning. Um, but other than that, I wouldn't really say there is anything else I do like every day in my sort of morning routine other than obviously like, I don't know, brush my teeth and things. <laughs> okay, so the um, like, so going into a bit more depth then. So if you're at home in, in Skipton and you are like doing a normal training week and you've got, let's mm. say, three hour ride planned um you've got no contact time with school that day um but you might have a bit of kind of online stuff to do would you tend to like you say get up about seven half seven have your breakfast um let that day just for a couple of hours and get on the bike for like nine ten ish and then kind of in the afternoon do a bit of work then or how does that typically look yeah so i would probably aim to get out probably about 10 mm -hmm. and then I don't really like doing schoolwork in the morning, so I'd probably do it in the evening when I come back. Mm -hmm. And does that, I mean, I'd if you're anything like me, if I do train, if I leave my training till later in the afternoon, like it ends up being such an improductive day because all I'm thinking about is the training. Mm -hmm. so I can't yeah. focus on any work in the morning. Yeah. So that's, yeah, you kind of get it done first thing in the morning. It makes sense. Um, I mean, it's quite difficult for me because I don't really have kind of like a set day, like I'm either in school yeah. or then my weekends are normally taken up by racing or maybe I'm on the track or something. So mm. I wouldn't say there's any like a set day where I like do my training, come back. Like it, it changes so much that I don't really have sort of those routines. Mm. So in term time then, are you still kind of um, doing the typical nine till three kind of contact time at school and how does that work yeah um right. i am but because i'm in six form now it is a bit easier because if you don't have a lesson say last thing you can go home so i might get to come home an hour earlier mm. so when i have school it is difficult because i have to do my training after school mm. um which i don't really enjoy it's quite hard to come home from school and then get straight out on your bike mm. um especially when it's like a longer ride you've got to do um but yeah, it, it's lot, made a lot easier with kind of having a lot more time with, with being mm. six on. And when it comes to winter period then, middle of the cross season, at school, nine till half three, you know, you get home and it's already dark. It's pretty grim in the UK for that. Um, like, what are you typically doing? Do you, are you kind of a turbo midweek kind of person or do you still just get out on the road or get out off road and, and get out on your bike? yeah so that's probably one of the reasons why I really enjoy cross because when it comes to winter and you've got to get out for three hours after school and it's already dark by the time you're pretty much home 
going out into a field is a lot like it's a lot safer obviously but it's a lot more fun and enjoyable mm. not having to go out with like five lights on your bike and mm. and stuff like that so that's definitely why I really enjoy cross um but yeah if, if it's really dark quite late already then I probably would go on the turbo mm. um, but I do try to avoid it because I'm not the biggest fan of it so do you do you tend to ride your your cross bike quite frequently midweek then um in the cross season mm. yeah i'd say i ran a cross bike probably about two days a week wow um like kind of like monday to friday and then yeah. obviously the weekend at whatever i'm, I'm doing mm. i think uh it's one thing that i've learned um over the years like i went with my own training i went through a period of just getting stuck in this rut of going out and training on the road because i think i thought that was the dumb thing and that was the way to get the volume in and you know there was a period in my life where i would literally just like get back from school and just feel like i had to ride my road bike and and i would like it's pissing down with rain and i was like well i've got three hours to do so i need to do this three hours and i would be sulking the whole way around and i'd get back and be like right that's another training session done move on to the next day and then it's only like you know after a bit of time, I like realized why on earth am I putting myself through this? I'm not enjoying like 90% of my training that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're very right. You know, jump on the cross bike instead. Um, it's a whole different mentality because, uh, you know, stuck, stick some waterproofs on. And even if it's dark and wet and you're on your off-road bike going through some trails, every single second of that ride is just fun. You know, you're always fighting traction. You're splashing through the puddles and, and yeah, there's a bit more clean to do when you get back, but ultimately, you know, it makes it fun and enjoyable. So that's a better way to train. And obviously, as a cross rider as well, you're, you're getting in the skills, the skill set as well. Um, it's a much better way of approaching it. Mm-hmm. So where do you see yourself going in the future? So have you got any kind of long-term goals, any major aspirations? Where do you see yourself in 10 years' time, eight years' time? Um, if possible, I really like to keep going with sort of two like road and cross um at quite like a high level i'd love to go like my big dream is to go pro i think that'd be yeah that's all i really want to do to be honest but um if i could do that and also carry on doing two disciplines yeah that's that's kind of my long-term goal Mm -hmm. i um I don't. I don't see why not. I don't see why that's uh, an unrealistic goal in uh, the way the way you're going, Kat. Um, and have you got any? What What's your next focus? What's your short term goals? What's the next kind of big events? So I've got I've got World Champs next, actually, which is my next race. Obviously, that's at home. It's in Glasgow. Mm. Um. So that'll be my my first road worlds, and it'll be at home. So that'll be really really cool. And mm. um, I think there'll be quite a lot of pressure on. Um. I think GB are probably are the favourite for like the junior um, girls race, but you know it's fun at the same time if we are the favourite. So mm-hmm. that'll be the next one. And I'm also doing the time trial, which is the about a week after the road race. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm sort of focusing on now. Mm-hmm. How does time trialing fit into the equation for you? Yeah, it, it's definitely something that I'm learning. I'm getting better at slowly. Um, I used to just sort of, I never really used to do it. I just sort of used to do it like a little 1K prologue before the start of like a Isle of Man youth tour. Um, but now, 
kind of being a junior is you do do it a lot like obviously longer um a bit more frequently so i'm sort of learning like how to be aero <laughs> and and i'd say i'm definitely getting better i mean i won the national time trial champs as a junior this year um the course did suit me so i, I was quite lucky in that aspect but yeah it that's what way did it suit you what do you mean by that it was it's like i'm i wouldn't say i'm a flat rider um but i wouldn't say i'm like like a mountain goat but Mm. sort of in between and mm. the course was like very rolly um mm. up and down it was in Lancashire so it did suit me quite well mm. um what do you say um and again this is sometimes a bit of a hard question to answer but um from the outside looking in Kat I would say you are very good at racing so you with a lot of the races that you do, I mean, for example, some of the national series crits you've been doing and Ilkley, Otley, places like that, you know, you've got some incredible results there racing against, you know, women that are, you know, much older than you and much more experienced than you. And arguably on paper, probably a bit stronger than you, but you from again from the outside looking in i would say that tactically um you are very good at knowing where to be knowing which wheels to follow knowing when to use your energy and it's just incredible to watch i mean i, I can't remember which race it was a watch thing i was watching but am i right in saying you got second at um what's the recent crits results you've got i, I, I remind me I've sorry got I've done two, so I did Otley and I did National Crit Champs and I came second in both of them. Second in both, that was it, yeah. So, like, watching the last few laps, you know, and, and kind of, I could kind of make you out hiding away there and then it came came up to the last couple of laps and, oh, yeah, there she is and, you know, it all lights up and you, you, do, you did incredibly well. But um, I, I get the impression that, you, yeah, you are a racer through and through and you know exactly how to play your cards right. Would you agree with me there? Like you're not necessarily on paper so sometimes some of the like one of the strongest girls, but mm -hmm. also you know how to finish a race. Yeah, I think that's definitely kind of what I've learned about myself this year. Like I've developed a lot in sort of my like sprint finishing, which mm. I was never very good at when I was younger. And I think that's sort of just I don't have like the biggest numbers, like you just said, definitely not. But I've sort of just learned how how to win a race when you don't have the biggest numbers mm. and i think that is yeah is quite a good good skill to have mm. Mm. and you, you know you, you as you say you know it goes hand in hand but you're you're racing against for crit racing especially in a lot of flat races you know it it kind of lends itself more to some of the bigger girls doesn't it with the the higher absolute power um and being one of the smaller girls you know you have to use your reserves wisely and you know hide when you can hide and 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 you know um be tactically much more aware um so yeah credit to you for those for those Thank results you. um so we're going to go into some quick fire questions just to spice yes. it up a bit and make it interesting um so i've got a few quick fire questions that i've created and then we'll go into some instagram ones where i must admit i've not even looked at them yet so it could be anything 
Um, okay, so if someone was to give you five million pounds today and said you have to spend it in the next 24 hours, what would you buy? Oh, I think I would probably buy, I'd probably buy like a, a house, some property abroad yeah. maybe probably probably like Girona or andorra or something Good like call. somewhere like that yeah. okay um tea coffee or neither oh that is that is such a hard question because i drink both of them but i'd probably say i'd probably say coffee in the morning and and tea in the evening i can't i can't choose which one uh, a few follow-up questions for that. Are you a bit of a... Would you say that you do rely on caffeine quite a lot or not so much? Um, I try not to. Um, but, like, I, I do have, like, caffeine gels and races and things. So, mm. I'd say, yeah, I probably do. What tea bags do you use? I use Tetley's, not Yorkshire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bad. I thought it'd be Yorkshire, Yorkshire bags. I know, I know. It's my parents, <laughs> parents' fault. <laughs> um, do you have any pre-race rituals or superstitions? Um, I'm quite against, like, I don't like to jinx things. If that makes, It's quite hard to describe. But if someone says, like, oh, I don't know, maybe if they said, like, you're a favourite for this race, I'd be like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, because I don't want to <laughs> jinx it. It's a quite hard to describe but yeah so that's it fair um if you would live anywhere in the world where would it be i think you probably answered this one with regards to the five million question <laughs> Girona, yeah maybe? probably some definitely somewhere warm good to train mm -hmm. like Girona, calpe somewhere like that um this is might be an interesting one what is your biggest pet peeve or ick in cycling is there anything that like people do or you've seen and you're like, oh, why would you do that? I would say half wheeling, but I've been told that I'm one of myself, so I can't really say that. But <laughs> I would say my biggest one is when I'm on a like a, a track training camp and we send them um, like the the holiday in and then we ride to the velodrome in the morning. Um, there's a couple of girls that absolutely like to like bomb it there. And I hate that. That is my biggest pet peeve because we're all knackered already yeah. and we've got to go to track, which we don't yeah. really like. And yeah. they're all trying to kill us on the way there when there's like 50 traffic lights in the centre of Manchester. So, yeah, so that's <laughs> definitely it. And they know who they are if they listen to this. Yeah. So on to the ones from Instagram. Uh, one of them we've definitely already answered in the previous question, so I won't answer it. It was regards to balancing business studies at school with your cycling. Um, who's your biggest rival in junior cross for the 23-24 season? Ooh. <laughs> um, I'd say she's actually probably my best friend. She's called Imogen Wolf. Um, mm -hmm. She won national junior champs last year. Um, but also, there's a couple of like um, international girls. Like, there's one called um, Celia Jerry. She came third at the World Cross Champs this year, and also she was in. She just rode as well. So the race I just did, um, she came third on GC, and I came second on GC. So yeah, mm -hmm. 
say probably that probably them too it's cool that one of your biggest rivals is also one of your best friends yeah yes yeah, um, it's, it's it's great i love kind of that relationship with her and, and it de definitely doesn't get in the way of our friendship at all yeah that's mint uh biggest win of which you are most proud of um i think that would probably be the european youth olympics i did last year just because it was the first like race i'd done internationally so i had no idea where i was um and also it was my first race for for great britain um and I never expected to come away with that result so mm. i'd say probably that and then the the nation's cups that I've won this year have been awesome, but because I've already kind of won a winning off, I sort of wanted wanted that result, even though I never thought I would get it. Mm -hmm. The best results, the best kind of wins are always the ones where you don't expect them, and you mm -hmm. you kind of you know you you've if you're going there with that pressure of like you know. I should win this or I'm not done very well. It's, you know, it's not always, doesn't always hit the same, does it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, have you beaten Seb Grindley in a sprint? <laughs> oh, we have done a lot of them, but I actually don't think I have. I have beaten him at, I'd say I'm actually better technically than him. I'd say my yeah. line choices are better than his. He can yeah. do like bunny hops and hurdles, which I'm trying to learn. But I'd say technically on the crossbow, I've got better line choices than him. Fair. Uh, the next one we answered as well, where you see yourself in five, 10 years time. Here's an interesting one. What's something you tell yourself when you're on the limit and need to find the extra 2%? Ooh, that's really difficult. Um, I don't think there is. I don't. I don't think there is something specific that I'd tell myself. I'd probably like look at my Garmin to see. I don't know if it was on a hill, how long's left, or something yeah. like that. But I've, I've got on my bike. I've got a little my stem cap. The it, I've got a coat on it, and it says it's like train hard, fight easy, something like that. So mm -hmm. I don't think that, but it is on my bike. So maybe mm -hmm. subconsciously, I think that was something like that. Would you say you are very good at suffering? and like enduring the effort yeah i do quite enjoy it which is a bit, a bit <laughs> odd but i think you know most sport people do yeah of course yeah you don't find many people at your kind of standard who who are adverse to effort that's for sure mm -hmm. um how do you handle pressure against older and more experienced races mm, that's an interesting one I wouldn't say when I'm racing kind of more experienced riders, there is much pressure there because it's just like almost a bit of fun, like see how well I can do against them. So I wouldn't really say there is much pressure. It's just more, more enjoyment, really. Mm -hmm. Do you do you turn up to these, um, you know, I'm just thinking about recent races, these crits that you've been doing, um when you're racing against women who are like you say much older or and, and potentially more experienced like do you feel like you are um stepping into a ring where i mean how is your confidence going into the the nationals like you know do you uh 
were you conf- like would we were you expecting a second place or potentially better or were you kind of just hoping uh, to stick in with the top 10 or something how were you thinking going into that I mean, it was difficult because I'd never raced um I'd never raced a, a, a national like an elite crit before or anything mm. like that so I didn't really have any expectations really I, de- I definitely didn't think I'd come away with second um or a podium or anything like that um it's kind of what you you like I don't know dream that's what you want but I didn't expect that to happen mm. um but yeah I'd say racing with with like older or experienced riders is is great like you do learn a lot and it's just great really to just be around them mm. would you say the racing a lot different going into the with the elite women I actually don't think it's that that different, apart from you know, faster and stuff. But mm. it, it's still sort of the same kind of tactics and like mindsets used that I'm, I'm used to. Mm. Okay, closing question. So this is something that I'm going to say to every single person that comes on this podcast from now on. If you were to give one piece of advice to other aspiring girls who are wanting to be good bike racers, what would it be? Mm. So I guess as well, another way of phrasing this is what would you, what advice would you give your former self? It's quite, it's quite like easy to say and quite hard to do, but I just, I wouldn't like, don't deep it. Is it like, I you think when I was younger, I was racing nationals and things and I took it a bit too sort of serious when actually it was just like a bike race it was just just fun like just enjoy it and I think if you enjoy it then you will get the best best performance out of yourself and and you will be the happiest no matter what the result is really Hmm. I'm glad you said that as an answer um you're very right um and again going back to what I was saying earlier like there's there's there was a time in my with my cycling where I was way too serious about it and I'm just like I had this vision that I was going to like the next pro and just got way too. I've never heard the t- term don't deep it before. I've never heard that term, but that does make a lot of sense. Like, yeah, it makes sense. I was going way too deep with it and I was thinking way too seriously about it. And uh, ultimately in the, like, the last few years, I've kind of just been realizing what I enjoy about it and, and, mm-hmm. and focusing on that enjoyment aspect of it. And, it, and everything else just comes naturally and you end up, you end up performing better as well when you're enjoying it. Um, so um, as a bit of a closer as well, um, somebody else does this on a podcast that I listen to. Um, I want you, and you don't need to tell me this now, but you are going to be leaving a question for the next guest. Because you are the, ne- the first guest on the podcast that, of the, the new format, you haven't got a, que- a question, but I want you to mm. think about a question to leave the next guest. You don't know who the next guest is going to be, and I also aren't going to tell the next guest who left their question, but I want you to think about anything you want. It can be as deep and meaningful as you want or as fun and weird as you like. Um, and I'd like you to email me that question or or message me that question afterwards. Okay. And you can have a couple of days to think about it if you like. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Kat. It's been a pleasure. Good luck with all your up-and-coming races. Um, And I'll be looking forward to watching you on the TV. When when is the Worlds, anyway? 
um, the world's, I think it's on the 5th, the road race so, is on the 5th yeah. and the, t the time trial's on, I think it's the 10th. So you've got just under two weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling for it? Yeah, I, I think I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited. It, it should be really good and home world is not something that comes around often. So just get the most out of it and enjoy it. What's the plan? When are you actually heading up to Scotland? Um, so I've come home from Spain on Saturday and then it's pretty pretty quick turnaround. I think I go on Tuesday. Wow. Right. And wrecking a couple of the segments or the whole course and whatnot and then yeah. and then get your game face on. <laughs> yeah. Mega. Yeah. Thank mm -hmm. you very much, Queen on Cat. Yeah, thank you for having me.